Welcome everyone, this is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we are joined by Dr. Dana Cohen, who is an internist for the last 20 years and focuses in natural medicine. Actually had the distinction of working with Dr. Atkins in the past, uh, who is certainly a pioneer in the introduction of in the benefits of low-carb diets. And we're going to talk today about dehydration because she wrote a book called Quench. So welcome and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Doc. Thank you for having me. All right. So what was the motivation to write this book? Or actually, before you go there, we'll answer that okay. question number two. The first question, first question is maybe you can elaborate a little bit on the, the background information I gave for you so people know what your perspective and, and framework is. So I'm a, a formally trained MD, medical doctor, uh, internal medicine. And um, right out of residency, I got hired by Dr. Atkins. And um, thank God, because he changed the way I thought about medicine. I was miserable before that. And so for the past 20 years, I've been in private practice in New York City doing integrative or functional medicine. Okay, great. Yeah. So what motivated you to write uh, Quench? So I've been searching for my book for 20 years. <laughs> and um, my co-author, Gina Bria, came in to see me one day. She works for the Hydration Foundation. She started the Hydration Foundation. She's an anthropologist, a cultural anthropologist, mm -hmm. and was um, she did her research on how desert communities hydrate. And they certainly don't drink eight glasses of water a day. And that was, and, and so when she came in to talk to me, I remember thinking, um, oh, she's gonna sell me some kind of, you know, ionized water, filter, I don't know. And I just remember feeling very uh, generous that day. And so she came in and sat with me and she blew my mind. She started to tell me about the work that Dr. Pollock was doing on mm -hmm. um, the new phases, the new phase of water that's been discovered mm -hmm. um, and and how, how desert communities hydrate and they hydrate via gels or even desert plants, how they dehydrate. And we had so much in common. Her mother was in a nursing home suffering from dehydrating dehydration. My mother, um, was in a nursing home with Alzheimer's, and um, and and it just, I, I looked at her and I said, oh my God, do you want to write this book? I know that from, as a clinician, this is something that all of my patients can benefit from, from my, my athletes to my really sick patients, and I think it just affects everybody. And so that was three and a half years ago, and we dove into the research and came up with Quench. Yes, indeed, and, and it's particularly telling that some experts estimate that up to 75% of the population are dehydrated. Yes. And, yeah. you know, that's a significant issue Most most of the people watching this. Yeah, and we're not talking about overt dehydration where you need IV fluids in a hospital. We're talking about this low-grade, subclinical dehydration that affects almost all of us at some point almost every day. Yeah, <laughs> so, and, and, yeah. I, and I think it may be more accurately defined as putting water inside your cells instead of outside your cells. And that's the challenge, is to get it intracellularly instead of extracellularly. Because we can drink till the cows come home, but you potentially could die from hyponatremia because you dilute your sodium levels so low. But you need to get it into the cells. So maybe you can expand on that. Exactly, exactly. So the, the idea is you want to be able to absorb and retain that water within your cells. Um, and so let's, well, let's start talking about the, the, this new phase of water. And I think that that's the key. Mm -hmm. um, 
Dr. Gerald Pollack. I think he, I think he's been on your show. I think you've spoken with him. And I've interviewed him um, twice think, previously. Yeah, and I think your listeners, this is not some of them. This may not be news to them, but we've always known that water exists as liquid, ice, and vapor. Mm-hmm. So now there's a new phase of water discovered and it's or published, and it's this gel phase. It's also known as structured water or ordered water, um, and it's in this phase that we I believe is that the phase of water that's within our cells, it also happens to be the phase of water that's in plants um, and found in nature. And I think it's one of, the, one of the things, by getting more of this gel water into our bodies, it's better absorbed, better retained than, than regular water. This water is what holds energy, um, and, it, and it's, it's, you know, there's minerals, there's, other, there's lots of ways of making gel water, by mineralizing it or by, by drinking it. We say eating your water by, by eating more plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually, it's actually very simple. There's a lot in the book that's very intuitive. However, now the research is really backing up why we should eat our water. Yeah, and I think Dr. Pollock refers to it as actually, technically it's EZ water, EZ standing for exclusion zone water because his, of the, yes, the physical, physical characteristics of it. Yeah. There's, there's lots of, of scientists that, um, that may not 100% agree with his theory or what his, he, he calls it H3O2, where mm-hmm. it's holding onto extra um, electrons. But there's, there's many scientists that know that there is some other phase of water um, that we didn't really distinguish about before, liquid ice and vapor. Yeah, so I, I doubt that there, anyone would seriously disagree with the benefit of eating whole pro- unprocessed foods and vegetables containing the majority of their content is in volume is water, uh, this fourth phase of water. That's a good thing. But I've never been too impressed. Although I do it and structure my water, I'm, I'm not convinced that it's particularly beneficial to do that as much as it is to structure the water in your body, which I'm a bigger fan of. And by that, I mean exposing your body to infrared and ultraviolet radiation on a regular basis, and that's just not your body, but your skin, so that means wearing minimal clothes. And I just came in from a brief walk, unfortunately, a little less than I would have liked to. But I typically do that every day, an hour, an hour and a half, uh, with minimal clothing on. And that will penetrate your skin and structure the water in your body. And it will, you know, I I think that's the superior way to do it, rather than drinking structure. Although both are useful, I think structuring it mechanically may be a little more helpful. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the other really interesting thing that we're discovering, too, is the idea of that we need greens, we need light, mm-hmm. and we need some water in order to produce energy. And, and what else does that? It's very similar to plants and mm-hmm. photosynthesis. We're, we're way more like plants than we ever imagined before. So, yeah, UV light is absolutely an important thing. Yeah, and there's probably some special... Uh, additional benefits if you have a significant amount of chlorophyll in your system at the same time. You're exposed to the sun. I think you're going to capture more energy and, and utilize it uh, biologically. Yeah. And just for your listeners, chlorophyll, all it is is that green pigment that's mm-hmm. found in many vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of chlorella. I take a lot of chlorella tablets, which is especially yeah. high in chlorophyll. So uh, why don't we address some of the ways that people traditionally, and I have taught on the site for a while, but I've come to learn that maybe not the most accurate, that to, to test if they are dehydrated. And you know, it's thought that you need eight glasses of water a day, of course, but then the secondary 
more sensitive or at least uh, quantitative way of to do it was to look at the color of your urine and if it, assuming you're not taking a vitamin B supplement specifically riboflavin to color your fluorescent, fluorescent yellow of your urine that if right. it's a really light yellow you're probably not dehydrated so that probably isn't correct so why don't you expand on that or address so, it well I, I'd like to the things that I, we don't know, you know, we don't, and you're saying what's not correct, the, the color of your urine? Yeah, that there may be, just because you have a light colored urine doesn't mean you have uh, uh, optimized your intracellular water. Yeah, well, I think, I, think it's, I think it's a decent way. I don't think it's bad. Um, I think some of the ways, we, and unfortunately, we don't have great ways of measuring it. You'd think in this day and age with all the testing that we do, there's, there's actually not any great ways to test for this low-grade chronic mm-hmm. um, pervasive you know but um, some of the things that we can look for or do is um, you know we're meant to get up and urinate every three hours um, I think I think that that's a good thing if you're not getting up and urinating during the day because we make ADH antidiuretic hormone mm-hmm. at night but during the day we're really meant to get up and urinate so that's one way to sort of look at and and the volume of, of your urine too um, but I think I think the color, the volume, um, and then symptoms—just sort of simple symptoms. Thirst is not a great way. You know, we've learned to override our thirst. Um, we've learned to ignore it. Um, and the truth is, if you're thirsty, um, you, it's already too late. You're 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 already way, way more dehydrated than I would like for you to be. Um, so. The other, uh, some other things you want to look at, I think fatigue and brain fog are probably first better signs of um, chronic low-grade dehydration than, than anything. I think it's a first sign, this little sort of afternoon fatigue. Instead of thinking, well, maybe it's my blood sugar, it's more likely you're probably a little de- uh, dehydrated. So go for fluids first in the form of, uh, it could be juices or green juices or um, or even water with a little sea salt, that kind of thing, versus grabbing a candy bar or something. So those, those I think, are better signs to look at. You can pinch the top of your hand and see. That's, that's a decent sign to do, see if it tents back and, and falls back nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, turger, skin turger. Yeah, yeah, turger, you said yes. Yeah. So yeah. could you uh, address the uh, scenario that you write about in your book where the ADH, the antidiuretic hormone, decreases with age, and as a result of that, there's a tendency to wake up more frequently in the night and urinate. Because you just mentioned that you want to urinate every few hours, but yet that's not a useful strategy when you're trying to get high-quality sleep. So how, how do you reconcile those two? Well, so when we're young, we make ADH at night. So you, so you don't, that's why we don't, you know, when we're younger. As you get older, I typically tell people to stop drinking a little bit a little bit earlier because mm-hmm. it can really affect your sleep when you're getting up to urinate. So, and if it's if you're young and you're getting up a lot at night to urinate, you need to to see what's going on there because that's not normal. So. And do you think it's reasonable for to expect for people over 50, 60, 70 to sleep the whole night without having to urinate? Um, do I think it's reasonable? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's an I achievable maybe, goal. Say it again. It's an achievable goal. I think it's achievable. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, I, I'm thinking back at my patients. Most of my patients are in their 50s and 60s, probably 90% of my patients, um, menopausal women, and um, mm -hmm. I have about 10% men. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I, I think most of them do well, and maybe maybe once a night. If it's more than that, then we can do better. And um, some of the things that you can do if you're if you're I like to tell people to front load their water. Mm -hmm. So um, first thing in the morning, this is how uh, desert people hydrate. They drink their the most of their water in the morning. So front load your water, add minerals to it in the form of sea salt, a little pinch of sea salt, maybe a little lemon, easy stuff that you could do um, in the morning, and and stop drinking at a certain time at night, and you should be you should be fine hydrated. Uh, any specific pearls, like one hour, three hours, four hours before you go to sleep? Um, I think you have to play around with it and see. Uh, you know, it's hard. This is what I learned in doing the studying of hydration: is that everybody is individual, um, and you know, the whole eight glasses of water a day is not going to work on on a you know, 230 pound athlete versus 120 pound woman, you know, so uh, you have to play around with it and just see. I don't, I don't have, I don't have a pearl for it. Okay. Any other hints that you, we can learn from people who thrive in desert environments? Um, yeah. Uh, let's talk about certain foods. Um, mm -hmm. My, my favorite are chia seeds. Chia seeds, as you may know, as your listeners may know, when you put them in liquid, they form a gel around them. Um, that Those chia seeds are really super hydrating. They're, they're, they're absorption and they retain water better. Um, there's the these tribe of runners, the Tarahumari tribe from Mexico that ran marathons by, by not drinking more water, by, by using chia seeds to sort of sustain their hydration throughout. So there are things like literally aloe and cactus gels that are better hydrating and hold on to that absorption better, the water better. So, so and how does one consume the aloe gels? By purchasing so liquid or taking the whole plant and skinning off the green and eating the gel inside? You could, you could throw the gel in a smoothie. Yeah, you could eat the gel. You could, do, you could buy aloe. There's aloe drinks all over the place. You gotta be a little careful. Some of them are, you gotta see what's, what they're made from. But, um, but yeah, there's lots. Prickly pear is another cactus that's um, delicious and really good in smoothies, very hydrating. I know in um, the first time I learned about them I was staying in a hotel in Arizona and they had infused water with prickly pear and, uh, and it hydrates you longer and stay, you, you notice it. I noticed it because I was in uh, lectures all day. I was at a conference and, um, and I remember feeling at the end of the day, wow, I felt so much better than when I was in Las Vegas and drinking water all day and I still couldn't get hydrated enough. Mm -hmm. so. so with the chia seeds, how much do you use? A teaspoon, a tablespoon, a few tablespoons, and do you hydrate them or soak them in water before you consume them? I typically, I like to grind my chia seeds. Mm -hmm. You'll get more surface area, create more gel. Um, I typically use just a coffee grinder and I'll use a tablespoon. I'll throw it in a smoothie. You could throw it in, in um, on your salad. You could throw it in any liquid that you want. Um, if you grind them, they, you don't have to let them soak as long. Even just five minutes of soaking, you'll, you'll start to see that gel form. Chia puddings, there's, there's recipes all over the internet mm -hmm. for delicious chia puddings that you can mix with coconut water and maybe throw a few blueberries in there, a really nice dessert. Um, like I said, there's tons of recipes for chia puddings, a great dessert and a really hydrating dessert. Um, 
And so a tablespoon in a smoothie is, is simple, ground or not ground, whatever your choice is. If you have a grinder, then I, I would typically recommend grinding them. Yeah, I, I don't, because I, I have a tablespoon of chia seeds and a tablespoon of flax seeds every day, and I grind and I soak them overnight. And uh, that does a number of things. In addition to making them more palatable um, and available, bioavailable, they also tend to diminish the amount of lectins in there. Uh, yeah. and, and, and although I don't have any autoimmune disease, uh, many people do. And I just think it's a wise strategy. It's like sprouting or germinating them. And yeah. then you don't need a grinder, and it's one less step, and it's just easy. You just have to, you know, overnight, easiest, easy to do. You just have to do it before you go to bed. Yeah, that's, that's a definitely good advice for the lectins. Yeah, so um, with getting back to the hydration component, so, uh, though, there are a number of products on the market that are electrolyte concentrates, essentially, that seem to have some value. I interviewed Tom Brady's coach, uh, who, and Tom Brady obviously is a very elite athlete, highly accomplished in the NFL football, football uh, quarterback, and just swears by taking these electrolytes every day and has done for many, many years. Uh, so maybe you can comment on the electrolytes and any uh, advice as to how to find better ones. So, uh, you know, actually in the book we don't address um, any products really or any we the book is 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 made for the masses the mm -hmm. book is really about getting your electrolytes through food mm -hmm. through smoothies through some recipes eating whole food um and you know so i don't i don't delve into any of the products on the market and i and i don't you know i've done a little bit of research on them but i don't i can't say probably even as as well as his coach can say what kind of products out there i do think that there are issues with some of the um, electrolyte waters and products out there that we need to be a little careful about with all the additives and the sugars. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure your listeners are, are Well, very, commercial products well, like Gatorade, they're loaded with sugar. But, but the, the uh, products I'm referring to are more specifically health products designed. The only thing they have in there is electrolytes, and you would never drink them because they're a concentrate. You'd put like a teaspoon or a tablespoon in a quarter or half a gallon of water. Yeah. Uh, and even then it still doesn't taste good. <laughs> it doesn't taste good. No, no, it tastes like salt water. It's like, oh. But it yeah. seems, there seems to be great value in that, and there are many or rehydration protocols that use these. And I actually follow something similar, so I kind of alternate them between taking those and regular water. And, uh, and I have noticed there's a, there's, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this uh, measurement, but it's called, called phase angle, which measures the bioimpedance yeah. of the body. Do you, do, that, do you measure that in your patients? You know, I looked into it years ago. I do have a BIA machine where mm -hmm. we looked at it, and I and I wanted to do a study on my patients where I'd look at it before and after um, better hydration. Mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't done it yet. I haven't. Yeah, I'd I encourage think, you to I, do it. Do it because it, it seems. I mean, I I think that's one variable that helped me increase my own phase angle because it's a powerful tool, especially if you have the device, and uh, it's an objective measurement that you know you really can't do by a lab, and it changes very slowly, so it's not gonna change like a blood glucose one day to the next day. It's pretty stable and highly predictive of health. And you think that the electrolytes is what changed, is what improved It's, it's certainly what, it's one of the factors. I've done a lot of things, but I think that yeah. does, because it, when you improve intracellular hydration, you improve your body's ability to conduct and generate electricity, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's something to it, and I don't, I don't, um, 
I think that for me, I, I, I don't have a lot of experience with the, the electrolyte replacements. And I'd be a little, you know, worried in everyday people who are not elite athletes sort of taking in all those electrolytes. I'm not sure oh. if that would be an issue. You know, somebody doesn't do as much athletics as Tom Brady. <laughs> well, he obviously, I mean, it's certainly benefit for that. But I think most of us, as we mentioned earlier, are dehydrated. And, and right. having electrolytes can help draw the water inside the cell because it just, that's one of the benefits of these electrolytes, getting them inside the cell. So if you have increased intracellular hydration, then you're going to be overall healthier. So it's not something you drink all the time. It's just like you, you sequence in. You don't even have to do it every day. You can you know, alternate a few days a month. But it seems like you, there's a lot of good products on the market that, that do that. Cool. So, um, or provide that benefit. So I'm wondering if you could um, maybe comment on the strategy of drinking bottled water, the pluses and the minuses. And I can just uh, interject that. And we're going to do a report on this, but um, I, my local community, I requested the analytics or the contaminations from the from the, what they had this the analysis they did in the water supply, and they sent me this four or five page, nicely colored PDF that had four values, one of which was fluoride, which you know they they're promoting as a benefit. We know it's not; it's a toxin. It's a it shouldn't be in the water to begin with. Right. So, but they had none of the other things. So then I said, now look, I want the real analysis. And sure enough, they sent me a 60 page report that was not a PDF that had hundreds and hundreds of chemicals that were, were in the water. I mean, 2,4-D, dioxane, glyphosate at 4,200 parts per trillion. This was in the drinking water. It's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, really this terrifying. is, and they're not like picking, they're not targeting me knowing where I live and kind of contaminated the water. This is what they're giving to everyone. Yeah. So maybe comment on that and then the comment. So that, that's one of them. There are a lot of downsides to bottled water and I don't recommend using it regularly if you don't have a choice. But when you're traveling, you have limited choices. Yeah. So why don't you enter the, that dialogue and, and frame the conversation sure. for people? Okay. I mean, we're not even going to get into the plastics part of the bottled water. Right. Which is another is. issue. Um, yeah. And uh, it, microplastics the, in the ocean, contaminating yes. everything. Yeah. And the straws that we're drinking from, like, mm -hmm. try skipping the straw next McDonald's time just switched it. They're making having paper straws now. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I've seen some pasta straws, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah, let, let alone the plastic stuff is, is a problem. Yeah, bottled water, um, we also, we don't, you know, we don't, even in the book, we don't even talk about filtering our water because um, that's not our focus here. Our focus is for the masses once again. Um, however, um, uh, we recommend people to go to um, environmentalworkinggroup.com. They have a list of filters that are um, affordable, you know, or based on what you can afford. There's a, there's a really nice list there. Um, and then that's the other thing. If you are filtering your water, especially something like reverse osmosis, which is sort of the gold standard now of filtering our water, you do need to replace some of those minerals and electrolytes. And that's where it may also where some of those, those replacements would, would fit in nicely. Um, so yeah, the contaminants of, of bottled water is an issue. Um, we also give a, uh, are you familiar with the website findaspring.com? Sure, yeah, I, I know Daniel Vitalis, who's the guy who started it. Great yeah. website, I mean, it's, it's asking a lot of somebody to go bring some bottles mm -hmm. to a spring near your home, but I think that 
if you know if you're looking for an answer, that's a great answer. Like go and bottle your own um, your own water and bring it home with you and find some some nice sort of you know good containers to do that in. I want to talk about the second half of hydration, um, and that's movement. Um, a few years ago, there was a French, a brilliant French surgeon who decided to put a camera, a live, live electron microscope camera under the skin to look at living fascia. Um, and prior to that, we've never, we've only ever looked at fascia through dried, desiccated cadavers. And um, the video is phenomenal. I think it's called um, Living Fascia. If you put that in, you'll, you'll see it. Dr. Guimberto is his name. And, um, and what we realize, and once again, this is sort of instinctual, but now we have evidence to back it up that fascia acts as a hydraulic pump. It moves fluid through our body. Um, we've only ever thought that fluid is moved via blood and lymph. Now we know that fascia moves fluid. Um, it also moves electricity. So the idea of you have to move your joints to lubricate them, now we really understand why. Um, and also the idea of sitting all day. You're, you're literally squelching fluid from moving through your body by, by sitting. So yet another reason why we need to get up and move around every, every so often. Um, so fascia is, uh, movement is the second half of hydration. Um, we need to, to eat our water via plants or however we want to do it, make more, more gel water in our bodies or easy water in our bodies, and then you need to move it around. Um, and it can be done by very simple sort of micro movements that, that everybody can be doing. Like basically your head can act as a hydraulic pump to get that fluid in and out of your brain. Um, so that's the other sort of very interesting, you know, when you stop to think about it, it's a little mind blowing. Like, you know, it's, it's instinctual, but wow, that's a, a whole new paradigm to think about that fascia is a movement system and that there's this new phase of water. So there's some very interesting new discoveries. You know, just when you think you knew everything about this very simple H2O molecule. Um, I was shocked at how complex it was when I started to look at this research, and we are nowhere near what we need to be in, in this um, research of water. Yes, it's a very important topic, and you've got to get it's one of the, the pillars of health, is to make sure that you're hydrated, and there's a First lot of... First and foremost, absolutely. It's not just drinking water, there's a lot of uh, complexities to it. And, yeah. You know, it is a bit surprising. I mean, we all know that exercise is good for you, but we, very few of us appreciate that, you know, the hydration is, a, is a, one of the reasons why. Yeah. And then the other, the other thing also with hydration, it's not only an input. Um, we have to be hydrated in order to detoxify and get rid of, of waste via sweat and stool and urine. So a hydration is not only... Um, you know, the input, it's also the output. So another way to sort of think about optimal hydration, in order to optimally detoxify, you need to be optimally hydrated. Once again, hydration, being properly hydrated is the first step to any kind of program that you're gonna take on, whether it be a new diet or a new detoxification thing. If you're not fully hydrated, optimally hydrated, it's it's not gonna work. So it's, it's the cornerstone of, of of health, it's the baseline of all homeostasis in our body, all balance in yeah. our cells. Yeah, and uh, I'd just like to re-emphasize the fact that you do need salt in your diet, and it's to get away from the uh, fears that conventional medicine and the media has placed on most of us that, you know, you want a low-salt diet. 
Uh, actually, the co-author of my next book, Superfuel, is Dr. James D. Nicolotinio, Nicolotinio, Nicolo Antonio, and his last book was a salt fix. Uh, yeah. So he, he extensively reviewed it. It's really a, an excellent book and dispels many of the myths very uh, soundly. And uh, you know, having six, eight, ten grams of salt a day is probably a good strategy as long as it's healthy salt. Real salt, exactly. Yeah. Real yeah. salt meaning sea salt or rock yeah. salt. He actually uh, likes real salt, which is from Redmond. I love that, yeah. Yeah, so that's a good one. It's definitely good. It's, a, it's an ancient ocean, essentially, so it's not contaminated like current sea salts are because we've contaminated the oceans. Just like seafood, salt is less contaminated because it's less concentrated, but it's still contaminated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and most, I mean, you know, uh, the, I don't want to say any brand names, but the table salt that we buy at the grocery store is mostly sodium. There's no other, there's no good minerals in it. You're getting a full range of minerals when you're, when you're eating real salt or, or, or sea salt or Himalayan pink salt, whatever it may be. Yeah. Good salt. Yeah, and I neglected to mention that, you mentioned after you talked about RO, reverse osmosis, to removing the minerals, which it does, it also destructures the water. But, you know, I'm not a huge fan of necessarily drinking structured water, but it probably would be wise to restructure it. Uh, and there are a lot of ways that you can do that. Yeah, there are some devices out there. Um, once again, I don't have uh, I don't I don't have a lot of experience with them. This is more yeah. about getting people to everyday people to um, do better with their with how they eat. Um, mm -hmm. And and the 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 cornerstone of the book is smoothies, you know, lots of green smoothies. And I, and I differentiate smoothies are basically uh, macerated or blended vegetables, not necessarily, um, you know, yogurt in your, in your smoothie or protein, even just blended vegetables with water, maybe a little chia if you like, mm -hmm. um, ginger, lemon, a little sea salt. Yeah, I used to recommend juicing. I still think it has its purpose, but I yeah. do believe that smoothies are better, uh, primarily because it's the whole food, and these vegetable fibers are particularly beneficial, and many of them break down to the short-chain fatty acids, yeah. which essentially yeah. form ketones, which are enormously beneficial for health. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Any other insights? Um, Anything else? We talked about detox. We talked about, I think, I think we hit upon most of the things. There's a very simple five-day program, once again, that will show you as an individual what's your optimal hydration, when you, and you'll, you'll feel it physically. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of a simple five-day uh, plan that includes micro-movements, that includes smoothies, hydrating foods, um, and, and it's really for everyone, from the, from the athlete to the very sick fibromyalgia person. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, the name of your book again is Quench, Dr. Dana Cohen, and uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.